Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, I will talk to Jesse Lakes from Genius Link. He's been on the show several times, and today the topic is going to be how Google is getting behind multi-retailer affiliate marketing and what it means to you. That sounds like a news headline. Film at 11, you know. <laughs> Jesse, how's it going today? It's going well. Yeah, film film at 11, exactly. It is uh, It is kind of exciting just because, um, you know, Google obviously uh, – Google's a pretty big name in uh, in the world of affiliate marketing and really kind of them saying what they've said is, uh, yeah, it's definitely newsworthy, at least in my opinion. And I'm, I'm guessing your, your, your listeners opinion as well. Yeah. So we will get into the details, maybe why this is an interesting thing, why it actually helps consumers in some ways and what to do as site owners. Before we get into that stuff, Jesse, you are one of the co-founders at Genius Link, and can you just give like the elevator pitch? What do you what do you do there? What is Genius Link for people that haven't heard of you or Genius Link? Yeah, so uh, Genius Link is a platform that helps creators, website owners, etc., uh, make their make their links work better. Uh, we work mostly with Amazon's ecosystem to uh, ensure that a single link works across all of Amazon's storefronts and all of their affiliate programs to ensure that uh, everyone's making as much money as they can and all their customers are being dealt with. Um, my day to day role is uh, yeah head cheerleader and bottle washer and janitor. I do uh, a little bit of everything. Uh, teams teams definitely growing, but I still get uh, tasked with all the. Fun stuff. Okay. And yeah, we'll get into the janitor stuff and I like the bottle washer (laughs) thing too. So, okay. So what happened to sort of precipitate, you know, this sort of move? I guess, what did Google say? And when, when was that time-wise? Sure. So early December, Google came out with an update to an update they put out last April. So for those that are really paying attention, you know, Google's always saying something, but this is really in particular to product reviews, right? Which is kind of our little sweet spot of where, you know, affiliate and website um, entrepreneurship kind of kind of come together. And, you know, obviously this goes without saying, you know, Google, most website owners rely on SEO as one of the major sources of traffic. So what Google has to say is often pretty important um, and, and really kind of helpful ensuring that your website gets as much traffic as possible because without the traffic, you can't send them the affiliate links, you can't monetize, you know, you can't put ads in front of them, et cetera. So um, obviously this is this is pretty key. So this, you know, December 2021 product review update uh, came out. And there was kind of two key pieces to it. Uh, and it's really the second one we'll, we'll be focused on, but it's probably also important just to mention the first. Uh, as uh, For those that aren't aware of this, it's, it's probably some pretty good heads up. But the gist is that Google is really focused on authentic product reviews. So they're looking for evidence uh, that you've actually reviewed this product. Um, so pictures or video with you of this product, you know, something that, that sets it, uh, makes it distinguished from, from just what, you know, that copy and paste, that thin content you, you often find um, other sites that are, are kind of mass producing have. So Google, again, wants this authenticity. So that video, you know, they say users have told us they trust reviews with evidence of products actually being tested and prefer to have more options to purchase the product. So that's their overview. First really kind of bullet point here is provide evidence such as visuals, audio, or other links of your own experience with the product, support your expertise, and reinforce the authenticity of your review. So important, not what we're going to talk talk today about. That second piece is you need to include links to multiple retailers to give the reader the option to purchase their um, from their merchant of choice. And that was that really kind of got us excited at Genius Link because we've been really kind of paying attention to how how important Amazon is, 
But Amazon, as as you know, Todd, you know, it's uh, it's a really challenging ecosystem. It's a great place to start for affiliate marketing. Uh, it's really easy to use program. Conversion rates are great. Commissions are solid. But it's not where you want to put all your eggs, um, at least after you start to mature and, and these websites or this revenue streams become meaningful to you. Great place to experiment with. But once it becomes meaningful, you know, starting to diversify uh, is is important. And diversifying across retailers is something we've seen really catch on, um, you know, music industry in particular, book industry, but also some of these top top websites out there, right? You, you look at, you know, Wirecutter or CNET or Digital Trends, you know, some of these people that have been really kind of leading the pack for quite some times, they very rarely have just a single link. They often have kind of this multi-retailer thing. So we've been seeing that. It's really interesting that now Google is, is mentioning this as well. Got it. And the first point, which you said we won't talk about too much because, it would only be us speculating, but I do want to touch on that just a little mm-hmm. bit. So sometimes, you know, most people don't have the product that they're writing the review on, or if they've hired someone, it's almost guaranteed 100% of the time, the r- random writer that you hire from Upwork is not going to order the product mm-hmm. and review it for you mm-hmm. 100% of the time, right? So mm-hmm. basically, I, I always wonder like how algorithmically Google was going to figure out that like you didn't actually review the product. Right. And you know, you brought up a good point. The only thing I could come up with is custom images, like actual images of the product that are not the stock white background Mm -hmm. images that everyone has. And, you know, with some of the tools out there, I'm already thinking, oh, you probably could make up, make your own images, remove the background from the stock image or it's already white and then place it with you, you know, pretending to hold a drone as it you know, <laughs> lifts out of your hands, right? Like you could do a couple things like that, but generally it would take more work. So exactly. And I think that's the, you know, creating that slightly higher barrier, um, to be able to play, right? It's going to start to weed out those that are serious about it versus those that are just kind of, you know, mass producing. In my opinion, I cut you off. Right. Yeah, well, and I, I didn't have, uh, I mean, I don't know <laughs> how, I mean, Google's pretty smart, but I'm not sure how they could figure out if a person just wrote a shitty review or if they didn't have the product, right? It could be mm-hmm. a few things that lead to the same kind of product out there or the same mm-hmm. content out there. Um, but if you wanted to fake images, you probably could just use Canva and start like putting images where you're holding some fake object that you don't have. Right. So kind of two points there. One is, you know, Im- Google has that um, reverse image search as well. So, you know, not only are they amazing at, at cataloging, you know, words and, and content on sites, but it seems they, they've got some pretty interesting expertise and knowledge and intelligence around images. So I think you, you there's there's definitely some some hacks to there to, to some degree. I think the other point to, to really pull out, and this isn't my own thinking, this is you know, something Authority Hacker actually wrote about on the subject, is that this is just one of many different ranking factors. So this isn't going to make or break your site. And some of the research they said or did uh, after a couple of weeks after it came out is they hadn't seen any major shifts in, in who was kind of leading the charge for product reviews. And the people that were in the, the lead spots weren't necessarily uh, completely following these guidelines as well. So again, take this is all part of that much bigger picture. Take it all with a grain of salt. But if you have some spare time, if you're looking how to you know make 2022 even better, it seems that following some of Amazon or sorry Google's guidelines and, and you know expanding past just Amazon links 
might be might be worth your time um, and hopefully makes 2022 an even better year. Right. With a, you know, at least 200 or more ranking factors, this is just a small one and it probably just impacts a subset of people. And sometimes when we hit areas like this, where it's like, are we trying to optimize on something that doesn't really matter too much? Um, I like to take off our tinfoil SEO hat <laughs> and think about the end user who lands on your site. So why should we care about the multi-retailer affiliate marketing and giving the user options? So I'll turn it over to you. I know there's a few things you could hit on here. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think you're absolutely right that at the end of the day, it's around that consumer experience, right? Um, forget what Google says, right? Their stuff gets complicated. But at the end of the day, if you make it a good, easy experience for people to learn and understand and then buy the product they're recommending – everyone wins. But there, you're absolutely right. There are definitely some nuances there. Uh, one of them, you're just kind of off the top of the bat uh, and is really you know, uh, quite timely, is this whole concept of supply chain out of stock. Um, if you're only linking to one retailer, you're putting all your eggs on that bet that, um, or all your chips on that bet that that retailer is going to have the product in stock the whole time they're recommending that product, which may or may not happen. You know, If it's a top, a hot new product, you know, you're, you're hedging your bet by including multiple different retailers. You know, it's a PS5 issue and no one has it. That's a bummer. But odds are, if you include, you know, three to four to five prominent retailers, at least someone will have it. Um, and that kind of ties to the next point. If you include three to five different retailers, someone's probably going to have it slightly lower cost or cheaper to buy than the other retailers as well. So both those kind of create this um, ability for people to do their, their due diligence and, and kind of build up momentum towards purchasing that product. If you encourage them to check for the pr best price below or check stock, uh, check inventory levels below, and they click on three or four different affiliate links, A, you're setting three or four different affiliate cookies, which then can you know, turn into commissions should they go on to purchase from that store later. But you're also helping them move forward in that buying experience, that whole you know, user buying funnel, you're working them down step-by-step step by providing these different links. So those two kind of play in time step-by-step. Um, step. Next one here is just reducing your dependency on Amazon. Again, Amazon is an amazing affiliate program. I, I can't say enough good things about them, but after being in the space for many, many years, I really want to caution those from putting too many eggs in a single basket. You know, Amazon changes their commission rates. They they change their compliance. It, it's getting harder and harder to get out of trouble when when you do make some simple mistake with Amazon. Um, so that that reliance on Amazon again, it's great when you're first starting off, but it's something I really encourage against in, in the longer run. You know. Diversify, you know, have have a few different plans of action in case one of them dries up or something goes awry. Um, the next piece kind of ties into this as well is that again, Amazon is a great place to start. Amazon is massive uh, in the U.S. Their e-commerce market share, according to eMarketer, is about forty percent. Um, next largest, I think, is Walmart at eight percent. So Amazon being what five times larger, that's that's huge. But again, why only capture forty percent when you can capture? 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100% of the market share by including multiple retailers. You're kind of handicapping yourself by only including Amazon. Again, 40%, the odds are decent that you're getting conversion, but they'll be even better if you <laughs> include some of those other retailers. And again, based on some of the things we talked about, it only helps your chance. 
Um, we talked about how it's kind of best practices, you know, CNET, Digital Trends, Wirecutter, a lot of these um, uh, big brands that you look at already are doing this, um, on, you know, at least two different retailer buttons. You know, sometimes, you know, CNET is, is pretty notorious for having, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different retailers selling that same product. Um, and then ultimately kind of why you should think about doing this is we found that it's actually quite good for conversion rates and commission rates. We did a bunch of testing with, uh, we call them choice pages at Genius Link, but the idea that you recommend a single product across multiple retailers uh, as, a, as a button, as a landing page that you put in social media. These choice pages we found were, were converting at about two, two and a half times better than just a direct Amazon link. We're using, you know, as a, a very clean A-B test. Um, and time and time again, we, we tested with 10 different influencers, hundreds of links, tens of thousands of clicks, and very consistently, the multi-retailer experience Converted better and and doubled commissions. So, yeah, okay. yeah, a few different reasons there. <laughs> Here's a quick word from our sponsor, Niche Website Builders, and I'm pumped to bring these guys back on board as a sponsor. They helped me out a ton with one of my recent sites. Well, I say recent. I think it's been about 18 months at this point since I started working on it, but they wrote most of the content and they did this fantastic link building campaign, the Shotgun Skyscraper campaign, and it was remarkable. It was basically a brand new site when they started working on it. And we got the domain rating as reported by Hrefs up to about 49. And I think that was in like six months or so. I mean, it was pretty remarkable. I basically had them start working on link building as soon as I started publishing content. And one amazing thing, and I'm going to talk more about this in an upcoming uh, sort of case study and, and something we could follow along with, they were publishing 20,000 words of content for me each month. And we did that, I think, for about eight months, something like that. It has been growing. I haven't published anything new in the last several months, but it's been consistently growing after publishing. And part of the case study that we're going to be working on is just pumping out a lot more content. And with all the informational content sites doing so well, that's what we're going to do. So more to come on that. But if you want to check out some of the stuff over at Niche Website Builders, I'd really appreciate it. It's great if you let them know that you enjoy the support that they give for this show and you can get my coupon code. So just follow the link in the show notes here and you can save 10% on the link building campaigns or if you get anything with content, they'll give you 10% more. So thanks a lot to Niche Website Builders. Now let's get back to the interview. And do you happen to know what the ideal number of choices would be? Have you gone to that granularity? You know, if you have too many, if you have like 10 options, people can hit some decision fatigue. Absolutely. Yeah. Paradox of choice. I don't have that perfect number yet. Um, I would assume that three is a magical number and three is probably a good number to, to go off of. I believe that it varies by, um, by vertical, by price point. I believe there's some other factors that kind of go into it as well. But by, by default, I think your best bet is to have a link to Amazon. Again, huge market share. Um, 
if it's a if it's a well-known manufacturer, a link to the manufacturer's website or a store and, and affiliate program is probably another good one. And then I would include at least one other major retailer that sells it. So again, if it's a um, some sort of household good, maybe Target. Um, if it's a camera gear, you know, B and H Photo Video or Adorama are, are really well known in the space. Um, so you know, you you are the expert in your space. Where where do you see your clients also shopping? You know, include that. Um, but the brand is also kind of a good hedge as well because people often feel that uh, buying directly from the brand leads to just a better relationship than buying through a, a third party. Perfect. Yep. And I was going to say I've purchased cameras directly from like the Canon website. They just had them available, decent mm-hmm. price. And then B&H is fantastic as well. Have you ever been to the shop in New York? <laughs> it's uh, it's crazy. All the conveyor belts. Yeah, um, yeah. It's cool. I, the, the B&H people are just so fun to hang out with. Um, they are so happy. Um, but anyway, we're, we're digressing. Yeah. B&H is a great one. Adorama is another one that I've really been spending some time with um, and have, have found to be quite great people as well. Nice. Yeah. I've, I've ordered a couple things from there, but yeah, I love all the, the gear and stuff. And I know, uh, how do you say it? Adorama? Yeah. Uh, I'm probably mispronouncing it. So uh, one other, if on the, on that subject of cameras, um, if you haven't checked these guys out, they're relatively new, they're a little bit smaller, but they're really kind of doing the whole creator ecosystem is a, a company called moment. That's actually based here in Seattle. Um, so if yeah, again, B and H and Adorama, great moment is they, they start off as a, um, making lenses for your your iPhone. So they they kind of do they they retail, but they also kind of have their own products, own services, own experiences as well. So it's a it's a it's a fun, cool concept stuff uh, and great people as well. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I've I've seen that company and I was familiar with their like mobile accessories for uh, film and camera gear and such. So, okay, cool. So we have uh, sort of the baseline. We understand why this could be a good thing to do, not only for, you know, site owners, but for the actual consumer, which is an important thing to have in mind. So how do we actually do this? How can we like implement this? How do you roll up your sleeves? Yeah. And I know... Um, we will mention choice pages, but you don't have to use choice pages, um, which is a genius link concept, but yeah, how, how can we get started without getting overwhelmed with this? Absolutely. So there's, there's a couple different ways to dive into it, right? Yeah. You know, um, it depends on your CMS, if you're WordPress based, you know, how, where things kind of live, right? You know, comparison tables are, are great, you know instead of just comparing you know different products compare different retailers selling that same product so if you've already got a comparison you know table tool that you're using you know it can be as, as simple as that um, but I guess kind of where to start first is just manually coding in those links that's not the recommended way but it's definitely the easiest right so you drop your Amazon link in you drop your whatever the other retailer link is you know the next step is really kind of this you know how do, how do you integrate it in a more uh, scalable fashion so there's there's definitely different WordPress tools um, you know for WooCommerce as well um there's a couple in this this uh blog we put together but uh, uh sky verge has a, a product retailers plug-in uh the modal uh gutenblock also can help you kind of uh build out uh different options as well so just a little bit of googling around can find some basic tools where you still have to put in the work for the most part uh but they'll give you kind of that framework that infrastructure to be able to provide multiple retailers um for for kind of the um, 
the next step that if crawl, walk, run, you know, we, we do offer some solutions, you know, choice pages is one that's really more geared towards kind of the social media based, um, creator, influencer, entrepreneur, uh, where, where if you're, you have a YouTube channel and you're dropping links in YouTube or, uh, Pinterest, Twitter, et cetera, uh, the choice pages seem to work really well. We also have a API where you can query us, um, with a product and we'll send you back all the other retailers sell, selling that same product. So if you've got some, uh, development chops, you can, you know, take that information, that metadata, and put it together. We are working on some vetted options, but um, we're still a little ways away from that, but super excited about being able to give you just an easy plug-and-play choice page type option, but making it easy for WordPress. And us, GeniusLink, we're, we're not alone. There are a couple other competitors out there as well that are doing um, other things. Um, the one thing I would encourage you to do that if, you know, what's what's the um, classic adage, you know, to... to to screw up is human or to make a mistake is human to really screw up. You need a computer, right? So when, when you're going to do this at, st- at scale, um, you really need to check on the accuracy of the product matching. Uh, there's nothing worse than implementing a solution that does all this automatically, automagically for you and finding that they're, they're <laughs> the other retailer buttons are going to completely different things or are dead end user experiences. So uh, a little bit of Googling, you can definitely find our competitors for, for kind of this other multi-retailer thing, but I really encourage you to check on their accuracy. We have not seen great accuracy, which is why I'm not going to mention the names. I don't want to slander them, uh, but really, you know, they're, they're better for some than others, but there are other tools out there. Got it. And one one thing I'll suggest and would love to get your feedback is just 80-20 this, right? Or, or mm-hmm. even less than that. So, you know, we talked about more sophisticated solutions, but really you could go to your, say, the top 10% of your pages that are affiliate related and you know mm-hmm. you're selling some products. Maybe you know you're selling several of a certain product that seems to convert well. Just focus on those. It might just take you a couple hours to do. You don't have to do it to your whole site. You don't have to do every product. Just focus on what you're selling. Exactly. A great tool like you know, Monica Lancefilamate can tell you exactly where where to start that effort, right? So yeah, spend spend just a little bit of time and, and tackle your first two, three, four pages and see what happens. You know, does Google like those pages better now? Are you seeing more revenue because of it? Um, it's it's all it's all an experiment. Um, but I completely agree. Don't lock yourself in a closet for a week to update all your links. With you know, take it step by step. Awesome. Well, this has been pretty awesome. Did I miss anything? Is there anything else around this topic that we should get into? Um. Yeah, every everyone's going to be a little bit different. This is, you know, it's a, a Google change. It takes time to roll out. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. So I, I think kind of the last thing to really kind of focus in on is just, yeah, let us know how it goes. What what did you learn? What uh, what are you seeing? Um, yeah, I, I think it's uh yeah ever changing. So help us help us help you. Great. Well, one thing, I'll let you talk about your blog just a little bit. You guys have been publishing more and more. And we were talking, you know, before we started recording, you have uh, some things in the pipeline. Do you want to tease those out? And, um, you know, we'll probably bring you back on to talk about some of those. But, you know, you don't have to if you don't want to, if it's if it's too hot of news. But if you want to share, you can. Uh, as far as the blog goes, um, Isaac on our team uh, wrote a great, great blog. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to connect with him yet, but uh, he you know, worked as a uh, client success person on our team for a couple of years. 
was really interested in helping our clients and decided to dive in himself and uh, just kind of documents the first few months of his journey uh, going and finding a site, buying a site, and then just kind of focusing on revamping it as well. So uh, that's uh, that's an article that has been published recently that uh, is a good one. I've also been working on 2022 trends. Uh, I think that blog will go live relatively soon. Um, and yeah, happy to share more um, as it goes live. As far as kind of Genius Link technology-wise goes, you know, um, this was this was a, a good reminder with Google, you know, coming out and mentioning this was a good reminder how how we really feel confident in the direction we're headed. Where you know, again, Amazon is a great place to start, but at the end of the day, multi-retailer just seems to make a lot of sense. So helping our clients more easily adopt a retailer solution with high degree of accuracy and matching. Um, you know, transparency, et cetera. So that's that's really what 2022 is focused on. We've got some pretty huge projects in the pipeline uh, and hopefully we'll be able to kind of drop little features and updates uh, along the way. But um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a good year. It's already been a good year. Awesome. Well, thanks, Jesse. And we'll put links to get over to uh, Genius Link and the blog and you're, you're on Twitter occasionally, right? Or LinkedIn? Uh, both those. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great distractions. <laughs> All right. That sounds good. Well, have a good day there and we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Cheers, Doug. It's always fun to have Jesse on the show. I believe he holds the record for the most appearances on the Doug show. I'm not even sure how many times he's been on. There's not actually a competition. No one wins anything by being on the show more than anyone else. But it's always fun to catch up with Jesse. He and I sort of metaphorically cross paths through a few different states. So he's he's from Montana and went to school in the northern Colorado area. And I lived in Montana for a few years, although it's a big state. I don't think we were located in the same cities or anything like that. And then, of course, now I'm in northern Colorado. So I think we have a lot of similar interest. And he's just fun to talk to. A lot of times we'll record an episode and then we'll talk for, you know, another 30 or 40 minutes afterwards, just catching up and hearing, you know, what's been going on in our worlds. You should check out the blog over there at Genius Link. They they publish a lot of good stuff over there. And they have a, they got a good team. So it's, it's pretty cool. And I do use Genius Link uh, to manage my affiliate links and, and that sort of thing, especially the international stuff that we're interested in. So before I ramble on too much more, let's hear a quick word from our other sponsor for this episode. Thanks to Ezoic for sponsoring this episode, especially their new product, Leap. Leap provides everything from optimization features to diagnostics so that websites can pass core web vitals. It was built for publishers, and in fact, it's free to people that monetize with Ezoic. And it allows visitors to load pages instantly using Ezoic Cloud to serve new core web vital friendly ads using lightning fast server side Ezoic edge technology. And basically, Ezoic helps your site load faster and get those green core web vitals. And you can also simplify speeding up your site and cut the cost. So you can optimize everything from code to content using the features designed to eliminate the need for costly third-party technology and plugins. And basically what happens, and this happened to me, you try to add more and more plugins to optimize, to maybe minimize your CSS or minimize your JavaScript or something like that. And you end up with several different plugins and technologies, but basically you can just use Leap 
And generally, and this is the stats that Ezoic cites, the average site is able to remove 3.5 optimization features, technologies, or plugins, saving them $250 per year when they are using Leap for free. So thanks a lot to Ezoic and be sure to check out Leap. Before we finish up today, I want to go, I guess it's a little bit of a rant. I don't have a fully formed thought around this. In fact, in the future, I'll probably publish this as a mini episode, one of the bonus episodes. It's a little shorter, say like 10 minutes long after the ideas are a little bit more fully mature. And I had a conversation with someone not too long ago about just taking action and doing stuff. And it's kind of a theme that I run across occasionally, but I got an email from Alejandro not too long ago, just a couple weeks ago. And he said, I've been reading your newsletter for about two years. And in case you're wondering, no, I haven't built a niche site yet. So that tells me that maybe Alejandro is in a perpetual state of research analysis trying to get more and more data, trying to find maybe the perfect niche, maybe looking at several different business models, maybe looking at more keywords and not sure if the keywords that he found are too competitive, if they're profitable enough, if it's going to work. One thing that I see over and over again, especially with high achievers, is they will continue to research ad nauseum for fucking ever. And they want to try to ensure that they're going to be successful. It's a form of procrastination and it's a form of perfectionism, both which kind of suck. I mean, they're not typically helpful. They don't help you get things done. And I see extremely smart people that get stuck in the analysis phase because They aren't trying to ensure success. And again, a lot of times these are overachievers. A lot of times these are very smart people, far smarter than me and a lot smarter than some of of the slackers that I've seen be very successful. And the big difference is just take some fucking action. You know, you gotta, you gotta get out there. You gotta start at the beginning. You have to be a beginner where you're doing trivial tasks that are potentially not very fun. Maybe things that you're thinking, well, this is boring as shit. And uh, I'm actually thinking back to earlier this morning when I was drafting a blog post and I had the content written for me, but I drafted it because it was just uh, one little thing to do. And it only took like 10 minutes. But as I was doing it, I was like, this is so boring. Just more copying and pasting. This is it's just the worst. But I just spent another five minutes on it. And I was done and everything was fine. It really wasn't that bad. But as I was sitting there doing it, maybe I had too much caffeine this morning. I'm not sure. But I was thinking, wow, this really sucks. I don't like doing this. Uh, when I publish a lot more content, I'm certainly going to hire a content manager to do this drafting for me. The whole point of this is don't get stuck in that analysis phase. Having more data, doing more research, most of the time, 
once you hit some baseline, once you get 80% of the analysis done that you need, or you gather 80% of the data, or you study the material so that you have just enough information and techniques to get started and do the next obvious step, you're going to be okay. You could figure out the rest along the way. So if you're getting started, like you don't need to learn how to do email marketing at the very beginning. If you're starting a content niche site where you want to have some affiliate review content and informational content and make money from Amazon and say Ezoic, for example. So you probably can just understand the broad strokes of what's going on. You can research and learn how to do the techniques around keyword research and maybe some of the content writing that you would need to know. But you don't have to know how to do the most advanced things. In fact, if you start buying tools and start thinking about things that you won't have to do for another year, you're pretty much wasting your time and filling your head with things that you don't need yet. And fortune favors the people that are taking action. Like it doesn't care it being a fortune, I guess. <laughs> it doesn't care if you've done more research or if you have more data. The important part is once you start taking action, you will get data. You will get real life results and then you could adjust from there. So you don't have to have everything figured out. You don't have to have all your keywords. You can have a handful of keywords, start publishing content, start figuring out if the techniques that you're using are working and then move forward. Whatever you work on, especially if it's your first rodeo, it may not work out how you expected, but you're going to have more experience in the future. You will have learned from the hopefully minor mistakes that you've made. Hell, you may get lucky. I got lucky in the beginning and I made a lot of mistakes pretty quick. And you hear people say, you know, fail quick and pivot and, you know, be ready to adjust along the way. And if you are, if you're taking that feedback from the real world and looking at the real data, the results that you're getting, you'll be able to adjust and make better decisions moving forward. And like I said, I've seen some, you know, less intelligent people, and I'm not thinking of anyone specific, but I've just seen people that are generally underachievers. Maybe they didn't have as good of a career as what you have, right? Maybe they didn't go to school as much and they don't have the same credentials, but all that shit, it, it doesn't matter. If you can go out and start doing something, you'll be way better off than someone with a bunch of uh, initials after their name. It really doesn't matter. In fact, most of the people that I worked with, uh, most of them had MBAs or other advanced degrees. And typically, I was the least educated person in whatever room that I was in, which was... Well, it was fine. It was fine. Everyone was smarter than me, but it, or had le more letters after their name, but it, it was fine. I didn't take it personal. The, the point being, it, it doesn't matter how many letters you have after your name. It, or if you do have a lot of letters after your name, I hope you're an action taker. So that's my little rant. Again, I don't have uh, all the thoughts around that fully formed, but I, I think that could be a good short form episode. All right. I'm going to... I'm going to finish up for now. So everyone have a good day out there. We'll catch you on the next episode and we'll see you later. <laughs>